Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to The Scorecard with Barry Cronin and Mike Esposito presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on Chicago's Sports Radio 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. And it is hour two of The Scorecard here. Barry and Mike with you every Saturday morning, 6 to 8 a.m. here on 670 The Score. Glad to be with you throughout the summer uh, and into the fall uh, with golf season here. Uh, a fun hour coming up here now, Barry, but uh, we're we're about to talk about a pretty unique collection and the uh, unique collector that uh, that owns it. And do that, we jump on out to the Alpamani Nissan hotline. Alpamani Nissan is in Melrose Park on North Avenue or at APNissan.com. We've talked about it a little bit uh, in the first hour, uh, but Jim McCormick has uh, one of the coolest golf collections in the world, golf memorabilia, and he is our guest now on the scorecard. Good morning, Jim. Morning to you guys. Right, morning, Jim. Uh, thanks so much for being on and, and for and really for sharing uh, your collection with uh, with the golfers uh, of the of the world. You know, through our we had a great magazine article by David Sweet in the uh, February edition of Chicago District Golfer Magazine, and now you coming on the show uh, to to talk a little bit about it. I was there. Uh, this week, <laughs> I took a little. I didn't want. I wanted to have you on the show, but I kind of wanted to see it for myself. And you know, uh, having been to a number of museums, uh, you know, <laughs> various times in my life, I felt. You know, I'm going. Well, is this the Vatican for uh, a Vatican <laughs> museum or or what for golf? And it was crazy. Um, just to give the the folks a little bit of a, of a rundown on some of the things you have. You have a collection of clubs from the 1700s. Um, and you know, if you're not at St. Andrews in Scotland, you can't see a collection of club that many, uh, than you can in your, in your house. Uh, you've got feathery golf balls all from, uh, pre 1860 trophies and medals from major championships dating way back. Um, it's, it's amazing, Jim. Um, uh, how did, how did you get started doing this? By accident. <laughs> like other good. <laughs> I, I, <yeah. clears throat> I was living in London, England with my wife at the time, and um, the Christie's 
auction house was down the street from us. And on a lunch break one day, I ducked in just to kind of look. It's a great little toy store, I suppose, for those who like to play. Um, and they had a, of all things, among the four or five sales going or showing, a sporting uh, goods. And it wasn't focused on golf per se. They had tennis and soccer and rugby and cricket and, you know, just everything. But over in the corner was a little group of golfing items, maybe 25 or 30, which piqued my interest. And I, I looked over them a bit closer. And sure enough, here was a club by old Tom Morris. Well, I had heard of him. And um, <laughs> I thought, that's kind of cool. So I, uh, I, I I put in a bid and was was the lucky or unlucky winner, depending on how you view it, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, from there, it was all downhill. <laughs> it, and and you are not, I mean, at the time, you were not even a golfer, correct? You grew up playing tennis. No, I, I did grow up playing tennis, but at that time, I was about uh, six or seven years out of uh, university. I played tennis through university and uh, OD'd, I suppose. And um, really, I haven't had a, I haven't hit a tennis ball for, I, I bet, 30 years. Um, I took up golf as sort of my game for life, and again, never looked back. Yeah, no, and it's it's very interesting because I I was explaining to Barry I I have uh, a little of the collector gene in me too, and I I when I was a kid especially. With, with baseball stuff, whether it's cards, memorabilia, whatever, but you get hooked, right? I mean, you're, 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 you're like, okay, this is cool. And then boy, you just keep going deeper down the rabbit hole. Don't you? Some, some, some people don't call it a habit, a hobby. They call it a disease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't get rid of it. It's just in you genetically. Yeah. So how, in so the, how many items do you, how much, how many items do you have, Jim? Excuse me. Well, I keep a pretty good catalog, um, and I, I, I think probably, let's say, 2,500 in all. Wow. Now, there yeah, are collectors you... who, who, are call, who I would call accumulators um, and, and, and uh, you know, almost near um, hoarders and, and, and have thousands and thousands of little things, usually virtually worthless. I know a guy that has claims they have 12,000 postcards. Well, you know, on average, those are at best $5 each. Or some people right. collect logo golf balls. It's terrific. But again, from a value standpoint or a true historical pr- perspective, they're, they're personal, you know, personal idiosyncrasies. Um, pretty much all my items have some historical significance or significance of one way or another. So from a value standpoint, I'm, you know, anything but a hoarder per se. So yeah, your your items obviously have real value. I mean, it's it's incredible some of the things you have. Um, what is the oldest club you have? Well, I have one that certainly goes back to the 1600s. I mean, in those days, very 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 few people played. Um, very in infancy of the of the whole sport and 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 it wasn't that big a deal so thing you know things weren't weren't kept at all um around the 18th century 1700s the game grew a little bit 
societies were formed, the old societies that exist in, in, in Scotland generally grew out in the 1700s. And the game expanded a little bit. So there is some, there is some equipment, uh, but not much. Uh, some say, well, on an estimate, there might be perhaps 120 or 130 legitimate clubs that predate 1800. Uh, lots of fakes and replicas, by the way, but uh, only, mm-hmm. only about 120 legit. And um, I think I have 15. I think most of them are in the museum in St. Andrews, the British Golf Museum, or in the collection of the Royal and Ancient. Many of the old clubs, uh, golf clubs in in uh, in Britain, have um, you know one or two or three in their collections as well. Not many out in private hands. Now, and uh, Jim McCormick is our guest here on the Scorecard. We're talking about his his wonderful collection of golf memorabilia. Uh, he is here in Chicago, and uh, I know. For our Chicago listeners, uh, it'll certainly be cool to hear because you do have some very specific uh, uh, items to the city of Chicago and kind of, you know, the, the start of the, the golf uh, movement, whatever you want to call it, back in the, the early days of the city of Chicago and, and uh, you know, right around the Chicago fire and, and thereafter, correct? Right. Um, well, you know, the Chicago Golf Club is described as the oldest 18 holes and they were in the foreground of that initial movement, which really sprung up in the probably the early 1890s. But by the turn of the century, Chicago was a very, very active little golf center um, and, and, and had a lot of significant things happen individually, uh, club-wise, development-wise, to the game of golf in the United States. And I do have a, I do have a, I do have a little thing for Chicago golf. I mean, it has a very, very rich history. And um, when I do see something, um, I uh, am always vulnerable. I like, to, I like to add it. Yeah, you mentioned postcards before. And the one postcard that you do have, at least for Chicago, and I know you have others, but is, uh, is this postcard of, of Jackson Park Golf Club and C.B. McDonald, Charles Blair McDonald, who uh, basically uh, designed at least the first um, iteration of Chicago Golf Club and was, uh, uh, was a very influential in the founding of the United States Golf Association back in the late, uh, back in the 1890s. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, yeah. photos of any kind of um, C.B. McDonald are very, very rare. Uh, the postcard, interestingly enough, the ender bidder was the USGA Museum. Hmm. <laughs> so you good. outbid the USGA Museum. Good for you. Now, <laughs> now I, 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 is <laughs> that card should be in Chicago. That should not be in Far Hills, New Jersey. <laughs> You're darn you right. Go. You're darn right. Well, good for you. Hey, um, the other thing is, you know, you you do. There, this is also uh, a buying and selling sort of operation that you have. You know, you have people who who find out that you have certain items, and they're interested in buying those, uh, maybe an item or whatever. Um, and there was uh, you had you had an item a while back where you thought maybe you should have priced it uh, a little higher. Could you tell that that little story? Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm not really a seller, but I've got a little saying in in life in general. You know, everything I own, other than my health and family, everything I own is for sale. So there is a price, 
Um, and every so often, there's a there's a there's a price that you know you, you just have to sell. I think too, uh, collectors turn sellers when they replace existing examples with with better, and they mm-hmm. want to thin out duplicates or things that with time become less relevant. But I'm not. I don't generally sell that much. It just so happened that I had a duplicate that I think I was telling you when you were here, and it was up at the very high end of things, the very, very highest end. Um, and I put a I, I put a price on it. Somebody said, I know you have a couple of these. And I uh, put a, I said, he said, well, what? he reminded me of my saying is what happened. And I said, all right, fine. And I put a multi-hundred figure on it, 300. And he immediately said, I'll buy it. <laughs> and I, I went, oh boy, <laughs> you know. And I still to this day, I don't know what he really would have what would, would have paid. I don't know the guy out in Orange County, new money and building a new house with a, you know, a, a den, a man cave, whatever you want to call it, and you know, was just going to buy it, I suppose. But I've always thought, oh my goodness, what, how much did I give away? Yeah. Well, and Jim, it's it's really cool. And, and you could find some of this online for people who'd like to see pictures of some of the artifacts. The the article from the Chicago District Golfer magazine, uh, you can find it online. I am looking at it right now. Some of these pictures are super cool. And, and I want to ask you, too, because part of this, too, is the appreciation of the history of the game of golf. And you're obviously very well versed on that. And I know Barry uh, tells me that you're a member of Royal Troon in Scotland. So I have to imagine some uh, some fun trips, both for for playing purposes and also maybe for a little collection scouting purposes uh, when you head over there. Yeah, sure. I, I, I you know a lot of people collect golf club memberships, uh, you know, as kind of honorariums. I'm I'm actually pretty active. Oddly enough, I got an email from the retired pro uh, yesterday. Uh, he's been retired about eight years after serving 39 years. And he came to me uh, with an opportunity to purchase a medal that he had come across from 1839 from a fellow retired pro who now lives uh, in, in, in Edinburgh. So it's, it's that kind of thing that people come to you not just to buy, per se, but very more often, frankly, they come to sell. You know, here's something of interest. Uh, would, you, would you be interested? Um, so we'll, we'll see where that, that leads. But, no, I do have a connection there. And when it comes to this, you know, you talk about investing. These, you know, some prices go up, but 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 not every price. I mean, the, generally back in the 80s and 90s when I got started, uh, the featherball era was really the the uh, the key uh, focus point for for collectors and featherballs and those, those old clubs. They were very much desired, much less so today. And I paid a hundred thousand for one club. That's about as much as I've ever paid for anything. That probably today is probably worth maybe fifty. So you know wow. things don't go up. On the other hand, what's what's become extremely hot in the last ten to fifteen years is masters-related material, uh, disproportionately sought after or paid for uh very uh, and in the magazine actually there is a picture of the gold medal which gene sarazen won back in 1935 
Of course, that was the shot heard around the world that people are right. familiar with. But that medal, which I paid about 35000 for 20, 22 years ago, something like that, I've been told is a quarter million, maybe 400000 so that's that's wow. gone on that's gone the other way, but in any event, when compared to as Barry, you're talking about your baseball collection, what's what's <laughs> what's happened in the baseball world, and now which is happening in sort of football, NBA, um, boy, those prices, you know, Mickey Mantle cards for a half a million dollars, I I say, my goodness, there's dozens and dozens of those, yeah. and I, well, if that's a half a million, here's Harry Barden's personal putter that with a letter he has said that he used in his open victories, you know, and that thing is worth maybe, maybe 50. I go, wow, what, what, uh, you know, for the, for, for collectors, golf is a very reasonable, very reasonable niche of the sporting uh, market. And I should get in a plug, by the way, for those that are interested in history, um, there is a very active national group, Golf Historian Society, the Golf Historian Society. They have a website founded in 1970, so it's about 50 years old. And if anybody interested, I'd take a look at their website. There's there's gatherings, national gatherings. We're getting together next week in Columbus, Ohio, first time since the pandemic hit. About 200 people have signed up. Uh, I think there'll be a little golf outing. Most will be playing with hickory clubs, by the way. But, and then a, wow. a trade show and, and lectures. Uh, focused on a couple of you know historical aspects, but it's a great group if people are interested and very active all over the country. Golf Historian Society. Sounds That's awesome, well, Jim. Thanks, thanks for letting us know. Yeah, thanks, Jim. That's great. Yeah, we really appreciate your time, and it really is cool. I I I I have the collecting itch as I mentioned earlier, and it's you know just looking at the uh, some of the items, uh, it's super cool and and uh, it's good. Uh, good fun, and uh, I know a lot of people uh, listening uh, to our show are passionate about the history of golf, so uh, it's exciting to learn about, and we really appreciate you coming on this morning. Fantastic. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you That's Appreciate it so much. Jim McCormick, Chicagoan, uh, home uh, and, and home owner of the uh, uh, great golf collection, and if you look, as, as probably the easiest way for our listeners to check it out, Barry, this was... Uh, it was featured, his collection was featured in the Chicago District Golfer magazine several months ago. And um, some of the pictures, I mean, just fascinating stuff. The, the you know, the feather ball, feathery balls and the uh, various different clubs and all of the different uh, historical items. Chick Evans's gold medal, I believe, is one of the items uh, uh, that he has. So really some fun stuff and uh, some Chicago tides uh, to that as well. Yeah, Mike, you know, if you people want to look at it, you can go to cdga.org, and then you can find CDGA Magazine on there, and you can just click on it, and you can see a facsimile edition of the magazine, you know, that you can make larger, smaller, whatever, but then you can see it. It's a beautiful story written by David Sweet, and uh, Jim's personality comes out, and we've got a great... My man Chuck Cherney took a great photo of Jim uh, with... Uh, Jim is holding uh, a set of Donald Ross's old clubs uh, on the cover of the magazine, and uh, mm-hmm. it's just a really good picture. And uh, some of the stuff he's got is are, it's just crazy. So it really is great. So, and yeah. So if you want to take a look at it, um, yeah, we'd encourage you to do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you, we talk about uh, gear and you know new clubs and new this and new that. It's cool to look back over um, over time and look at what you know. Hey, these clubs were used. Uh, you know the Donald Ross clubs uh, from 1905. It's like you know 1905 historically, right? Might not be that long ago, 100 years or whatever it is. But you look at the clubs and you look how how they were carried and and what we do today when we play. It's uh, it's pretty amazing to see how uh how far we've come technologically and really i mean you see the uh you know some of the the new clubs as they come out and it's continually you know you're continually wowed by some of the the uh new items they come out with right right and the you know the whole uh the whole evolution of the golf ball uh from from you know he talked about the feather ball and the gutta percha ball and how the ball uh you know it used to be super expensive to make a golf ball back back in the day meaning the you know the the late 1800s uh, and then mm-hmm. and then suddenly you know the ball became better and it became easier to make and um, and it just it went farther it went straighter uh, so and we're, we're still doing very similar things now and if you look back at some of the I mentioned before before Jim came on if you look back at some of the old putters from a hundred years ago or longer uh, you know some of the putters that are coming out now, have a bear a striking resemblance to some of the to some of the ones that came out a long time ago and these are being sold as new of course and of course the uh, yep. the, uh, the the ingredients are new you know how the, the metals are new and everything and, and they're obviously better uh, and more engineered etc and better manufacturing but uh, but it is cool to see uh, how how the clubs have evolved and and he's certainly got a got a collection that you can that you can uh, see the evolution of uh, of the golf clubs so over the years yep. so it's pretty very cool very cool very and you got a personal tour so i i will forever be jealous for that and uh yeah cool. i know i'm just you know i'm just here to make people <laughs> jealous mike you were you were you were about. researching i understand it you were researching i was researching uh, the I, show. I, I get was, it yeah yeah i'm you know i'm here to you know i'm 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 just here to help mike that <laughs> That's you are a giver, Barry. We know that, and uh, <laughs> it was it was nice to to talk to Jim McCormick about his uh, awesome uh, golf memorabilia collection. Well, uh, and we and one thing we oh go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, uh, I was just going to say we're going to uh, uh, hop off for a quick break, but uh, in addition to uh, other items, we will talk to Rex Hoggard from Golf Channel, a senior writer at GolfChannel.com, uh, in our final segment. So uh, we look forward to talking to Rex. Uh, more on the Zurich Classic, uh, which is going on down in New Orleans right now. Uh, and more fun with Barry and I here on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Seven thirty here on the score. Oh, oh. I think that's Fats Domino, is it not, Adam? I believe so. I believe that yeah. is correct. Uh, we are back here on the scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. Barry Cronin is uh, alongside. I'm Mike Esposito. Uh, Barry, the editor of the CDGA uh, Magazine, Chicago District Golfer Magazine. Uh, we just talked to Jim McCormick, uh, a very cool piece that uh, was in the magazine a few months ago. Uh, quite the uh, golf memorabilia collection. And he's not wrong, though, too, Barry. I meant to say this, and I forgot uh, to him while he was on the line. He was talking about how uh, the baseball memorabilia has really exploded. Uh, I think a lot of the collectors uh, across the world, uh, regardless of sport, regardless of what you're collecting, ever since lockdown, you kind of get back uh, into your own house and you get you get shut in and you decide, hey, I'm going to look at all this stuff I collected over the years. And you, you kind of get sucked back <laughs> into a lot of it. I know that that has happened to a lot of people. So um, but but really fun, really fun uh, looking at and talking to. Uh, Jim about his uh, his collection. So a uh, sweet segment there. Uh, and you mentioned to it, uh, you have to have, and Jim mentioned it too, his his wife, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how long they've been married, but I know it's a long time. You have to have oh, a yeah. very understanding uh, spouse if you're going to, to put together something like that. And he certainly does. <clears throat> well, yeah. Uh, Jim told me that uh, his wife is a very sweet lady, you know, who went to St. Scholastica on the north side, the all-girls school. Um, uh-huh. So, uh, you know, she's a good, good, good girl, you know, grew up in a good environment. So she has a, somehow has a lot of tolerance for this, um, <laughs> uh, you know. And, I mean, you know, he, he, he's got this, you know, he's got the things around his home in various places, okay. Mm-hmm. But most of it is up on the third floor in a little, in a little area yep. uh, where it's consolidated. But... I mean, uh, but there are still a lot of, there's a number of things that are prominently displayed in his home. And uh, I, he told me that he said, well, what normally I do is if I do sell something, I have them make the check out to her so that it, you know, she, she, you know, it helps her understand that, you know, this is, there is some value in what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> you know, so, which is, you know, pretty nice of him. I guess that would help your wife tolerate you know, your, sure. your kind of weird obsession with uh, with golf memorabilia. Right. No, it's it's definitely fun and uh, certainly something that has value. And as Jim points out, some historical value and monetary value as well. So uh, 
Getting back to uh, items that were in the uh, the news in the golf world this week, uh, Barry, I can't believe we haven't talked about Tiger because he was out on Instagram yesterday, uh, and he posted his first photo since the accident, which actually, I, not that I expected him to you know, to look like he, he just walked out of the hospital, but I, he looked a lot better than I thought he was going to. He, he clearly had the, you know, the cast on, on his, uh, his one leg, uh, knee down to his foot, but uh, I thought he looked okay. Yeah, yeah, he's been a few weeks now, and, um, you know, the police chief in L.A. came out and said, uh, you know, case closed, um, there was no uh, uh, citation um, issued, and uh, he was going 80-some miles an hour uh, mm-hmm. across, the, across the oncoming lane of traffic, and then uh, the car flipped. Uh, you know, it's interesting, they, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't do a they didn't really do a blood test, although when he went to the hospital, he probably had to have some blood taken. Um, right, sure. And they didn't really go into his phone, so uh, to see. And I, you know, I don't know about you. So it, it adds. What it does is it it adds to the speculation about what what really happened. I mean, he was going 85 miles an hour. I know that that. You know how it is when you're driving and there's an artificial speed limit of, let's say the mm-hmm. artificial speed limit is 45, but you feel like when you're driving on that particular road, oh man, this is 60, right? This is an easy thing to go 60. And that was the type of a, mm-hmm. a road that it was that he was driving on, kind of downhill around the corner. And um, it just, uh, it's just remarkable, um, you know, what happened. I My theory, and I, I have nothing to base this on, is that... You know, maybe he was texting, you know, with somebody and just sort of, you know, zoned out. And I don't know, but who knows what happened. But but we're not going to know anymore because the because the, the tiger camp is as locked down as anybody. Right. No, and we certainly listen. We're glad he's all right. Obviously, we we are uh, hopeful. And uh, I know at the time, you know, the police officer, the, the press conference, I, I don't remember the the officer's name that was there, but basically said that. You know, there was no sign of impairment uh, at the crash site. He was lucid. He was talking to them as they were, you know, prying him out of the car. Not that that necessarily right. proves anything, but that was that was kind of how they they answered that question uh, at the time. Um, but right, I mean, and, and I've heard a million different things. You know, he fell asleep at the wheel. Who knows? I know it was early yeah. in the morning. I know he was driving to an event uh, or a course that he was supposed to be at for for a, a certain time uh, where he had to be there, but. Um, it was interesting. Yeah, it was a TV, a TV taping. Yeah. Okay. So a TV taping, but, uh, he is on the mend, uh, and anything tiger, uh, is news, uh, on this, uh, on this industry, in this industry and on this program, certainly. So, uh, he looked good. If you haven't seen it, if you're not an Instagrammer and I am on there barely, and, uh, I know Barry is Barry's all over Instagram. We know that for sure. So, oh, you know, uh, I'm a social media maven. I don't know if you know that I'm just, you're all trying to improve all, your Q yeah. score. You, you're, you're going after that player <laughs> impact program money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but yeah. so it's, it's, it's nice for, for, uh, for golf fans to see tiger back up. He's on crutches. He's got, uh, he's got the cast on and he is on the mend and his dog looked strong next to him. His dog was, was getting the job done. So, uh, yeah, all bugs, of that, uh, bugs getting it done. Yeah. Bugs was getting it done. Uh, and speaking of getting it done, uh, and speaking of, uh, you know, we've talked about Fats Domino. Uh, we will get back to New Orleans. Uh, the Zurich Classic is going on there uh, this weekend. 
round three today. We'll talk to Rex Hoggard from GolfChannel.com, their senior writer. Rex will join us next when we return for one more segment here on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. Barry Cronin, Mike Esposito here on 670 The Score. And one more segment for us here on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. Alongside Barry Cronin, I'm Mike Esposito. Glad to have you along. This week's tour event is in New Orleans. It is the Zurich Classic. And to get uh, a bit of a closer look at the Zurich Classic, let's head on out to the Alpamani Nissan Hotline, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue, or at apnissan.com. Senior writer from GolfChannel.com and uh, our friend Rex Hogger joins us. Hey, Rex, good morning. Morning, boys. How are you? We're doing great, Rex, and, uh, you know, you're the man with the best Q rating, MVP index rating, Meltwater mentions. That's my favorite one uh, on the on the player impact program. Uh, you know, it's something else, Rex. What do you make of the $40 million uh, bonus pool uh, that the guys are, uh, are going to be eligible for, uh, uh, you know, per – I guess it started uh, January 1st. Nobody knew about it, and uh, – I think the pl- you you had an interview with Xander Schauffele, which he didn't even know about it. I think a lot of players didn't know about it, and I don't know if that's a, a huge surprise. By the way, I was trying to help my Meltwater score this morning. I was engaging with some of your fans about you know maybe some content. So you, you guys take yeah. a lesson there. Like yeah, this is how this is how it's done. And <laughs> well, I we're working the Twitter machine. It. We're working the Twitter machine together, <laughs> we're right, Rex? Working the Twitter. Yeah, I have no idea exactly how it's done. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it was very quiet. I think um, it, that was obviously by design, and it, they had been talking about it for a while. And, and this was a response to the Premier Golf League and the record. You know, when this was a startup league that sort of came after the PGA Tour stars, and this was one of the ways. I think there's going to be more ways, obviously, that the PGA Tour can maybe protect those stars. And I think what's interesting is there's going to be a lot of things that go into this score. And I don't pretend to understand it, as you pointed out. It's Q rating. It's whatever Meltwater is, it's MVP index. <laughs> and and I th- it's going to be an algorithm. And so that algorithm is going right. to spit out whatever the top 10 names are at the end of the year, which is all well and good. I think the interesting thing that we will find out is exactly what kind of impact are we looking for here? And I guess the question that I had when I was talking with players and officials, and, it, you know, he just posted a picture of himself on Twitter yesterday. We're all glad Tiger Woods is, is up and moving around, at least on crutches. But that media, that exposure, he was a headline in every paper across the, the, the world. And is that the kind of exposure that, that we're looking for? And, and what kind of impact does that have on the PGA Tour? So I think there's a lot of unanswered questions still. Yeah, and Rex, and the, the other thought I had, too, as we were talking about this, too, is you're talking about you know, all of the social media ratings and however however that algorithm feeds. And, and I'm just thinking, and not that Dustin Johnson is not a terrific golfer and, a, and a, a, a prominent member of the tour, but, you know, he has the celebrity fiance and, you know, all the other things that go into what gets looks and, you know, how guys are popular versus, you know, are they, you know, what are they doing on the tour versus their popularity and things like that. And it's almost like you're monetizing somebody being popular or somebody having lots of uh, personal news, right? I mean... It's a difficult thing. Well, and this goes back to the heart of it. Like, we've had this conversation for as long as I've been involved with golf, and I'm sure it's the cliche has been around forever. Whenever someone would complain about, I can't get into this event, or I'm not getting into the majors, or, uh, you know, I need an endorsement deal from this, there was always a simple cliche fire back that you had, just play better. 
That's always mm-hmm. been for eons what the comeback was. Like, look, you can sit here and complain and moan, but just play better. When you play better, everything else comes your way. And this flies in the face of that. And there is a certain element of playing. Look, the FedEx Cup ranking is going to be factored into this somehow throughout with the algorithm. But it, it does not feel like what we've always talked about. And there's going to be some awkward moments, you know, coming up this year. When you get to the end of the year, you brought up Dustin Johnson. The one that I immediately thought about was Patrick Cantlay. I mean, Patrick is a fabulous player. He's a perennial top ten player. He's not going to be on this list. And it's not though. It's, it's not as though he's not engaging. I mean, I actually love interviewing Patrick Cantlay because he's such a thoughtful guy. But he's not engaging to the point that people are going to flock to him on social media, and he's not going to make headlines with some of the things he says because he is so thoughtful. And I don't know if they're gauging, they're measuring the right things right now. Well, it's it's. I remember working for a big uh, company uh, here in Chicago that used to be a, a big sponsor of the tournament. And I remember we were looking at Q ratings. You know, who could we do? And, and at the time, Nick Price, as you know, uh, he was a big champion in the mid-'90s, everything. Hey, he won the PGA and the British Open. He had won a couple of Western Opens in a row. And, you know, if you look at the Q rating for Nick Price, he was, you know, one of the top players in the world. You know, the average Joe had no idea. He didn't know Nick Price from... You know, just some guy, you know, Nick could walk down Michigan Avenue and some people might recognize him, but you know, a lot of people would not, you know, so it's, it's, it charisma factor, right? Isn't it charisma? You know, a tiger, Ricky Fowler has never won a major championship yet, you know, more average people know who he is, you know, than any, than, than, you know, than, than anybody, you know, than, than somebody who plays better than he does. No, and I think you're, we're going to have a lot of that, where in, in Ricky, you would imagine, is going to be a perennial person on this list, and he's in the middle of a slump. And the argument would be, and I guess this would what I brought, I brought up Patrick Cantlay, at the end of the year, someone's going to have to look Patrick Cantlay in the face and say, look, you beat Ricky every week that you're out on tour together this year, but he clipped you in meltwater ratings or MVP index or whatever <laughs> right, the case may be. Right. <laughs> and it's going to yeah. be an awkward conversation. And, and look, and Patrick and, and Xander Schauffele, they said the right thing. That, look, we're not worried about it. We just want to play better. But this is real money. It's $40 million. It's $8 million to first place. It's $3 million to 10th place. So this is not a small right. amount of money. Uh, now, I would counter this saying that the sort of the undertone of this, again, is the Premier Golf League and what some people consider the threat to the PGA Tour. I get it. I, I see what they're trying to do by protecting the top players. But if everything that's been reported about the PGL is true, I, and I hate to say this, but $40 million is probably not going to do it. That, that's not the kind of money that the PGL was throwing around. So I'm not quite sure what the end game for the PGA Tour is here. Yeah, right. Rex. And now, cer- certainly a lot more uh, we could talk about on that, uh, and I'm sure we will, right? But uh, I wanted to get back to, to the – to the on-the-course stuff in, in uh, the Zurich Classic, you have uh, Finau and Champ uh, tied with the lead right now with Ventura and Hovland. Barry and I were talking about it earlier, an interesting format, kind of a fun format, right, a, a, and a way to, um, you know, have a different look at things. How do you, from, from a coverage standpoint, how do you find uh, uh, working this event? I love it. I mean, it's – and I wouldn't want a steady diet of this. And another thing I would not want, and I was – stunned like I don't get stunned by players in the middle of an interview very often but Graham McDowell actually said he'd like to see a 72 hole stroke play event of alternate shot right of uh, it foursomes play 
And I, I like had to oh. stop. Like, and this is the kind of man that apparently likes to go to the dentist and have surgery. Cause I'm like, look, it's fun. <laughs> I enjoy watching this, but that's a, that's a tough format. And we saw it yesterday. I mean, it's in the way they stagger this is it's four ball on Thursday and Saturday, and then it's foursomes on Friday and Sunday. And the foursomes play, I mean, you can see guys, I mean, during the four ball, they're laughing, they're having fun. They're being aggressive. There's, there's a lot of birdies. There's Eagles. It's a good time had by all. Not so much in the foursomes. I mean, the fans are having fun, but it is a grind for the players. And it, it's, I think it's one of those things that you probably wouldn't want to see a steady diet of it on the PGA Tour, but to have it once a year and you can see the personalities and, and how players interact with each other as friends, as teammates, I think it's great. Yeah, I like how the how uh, uh, Hovland, Hovland and uh, Ventura are doing. Uh, you know, uh, what, what's pretty interesting is, is Ventura, his, you know, Hovland's former teammate at Oklahoma State is ranked 248th in the world. Victor's at uh, number 15 and and they they're, they're partnering together and, and doing pretty well. Well, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I was kind of curious this week coming into it, like how did how did a lot of these partnerships come about? And sometimes it's, it's pretty obvious, as you just pointed out, they were teammates at Oklahoma State, or, you know, maybe they've just been friends since a very young age. Scott Brown and Kevin Kisner, I mean, they've known each other from Augusta in the Aiken area since they were kids. So those make sense. Some of them, not so much, like the defending champs this week, John Rahm and Ryan Palmer. I mean, there's not, they don't have a lot in common. There's an age difference there, but their caddies are best friends. And so that's what brought them oh, together. Mm-hmm. And there's always, you know, an interesting story here, but it's really about how they sort of meld together and how they sort of handle the pressure. And, again, I kind of go back to yesterday's format. Like, you can have fun, and we can sit and slap each other on the back playing four ball and make a lot of birdies. Like, you actually test a friendship or at least a, a teammateship, <laughs> however you want to say it, when you put a guy underneath a tree for the third time in the round. Like, that, that wears thin after a while. <laughs> Well, I, I feel guilty then. That's why I don't like to have a have play a alternate shot. I, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing for my partner. I was I was asked earlier this week, or I asked a bunch of players earlier this week, and we were talking about it yesterday with Damon Hack on Golf Today, and he was asking me like, what do players say the key really to force and play? We were talking about alternate shot, and I go, it really comes down to one thing: just don't say you're sorry. And that's, uh, Lord right. knows, I have said, I've, like, I've just apologized on first tee. Just everybody involved. Like, I'm just sorry. Whatever's going to happen, I just, I'm going to apologize out front. Yeah. Well, good. Um, so uh, what, what, what do you make of the, uh, the, the whole Tiger thing? Uh, is he, uh, I mean, he'll be at the Masters dinner, it looks like, next year, huh? I hope so. I hope so. And, you know, I think there was a lot of talk about him at Augusta. And, and I wrote a column and. I, I think he's missed the Masters before. This wasn't the first time. He's missed tournaments before, but that one felt odd. That one almost felt melancholy yeah. in my mind because yeah. mm-hmm. we all saw the pictures of the car, and we all read the reports, and we all had a, an idea of how devastating this was and beyond that how devastating it could have been. You know, when you look at the car and you consider the circumstances, and he's very lucky to at least be on crutches now and to have the opportunity to rehab and to be, make it to next year's champions dinner. And, you know, you always don't want to go for the cliche because the immediate question is, you know, when do you think he'll play again? Will he play again? I have no idea. I'm just kind of happy just to see him upright and to see him, you know, obviously having a good time with his dog and being in a position where he's not flat on his back and being miserable. Cause that's the last thing you want for anyone. Yep. 
Well, and Rex, we have to let you go. But at that, uh, we appreciate your time and certainly uh, will be interesting to see what uh, what happens with Tiger going forward in his health. And we'll be interested to follow your reports uh, from the Zurich Classic uh, for the rest of the weekend. So thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, you guys. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, that man. is Rex Hoggard from uh, GolfChannel.com. Uh, always good to talk to Rex. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Tigerberry. But uh, we are out of time, my friend. Uh, another Saturday uh, edition of the Scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine uh, is, uh, is done. And uh, thanks to uh, our guests. Thanks to Rex. Thanks to Jim McCormick talking about his wonderful collection of golf memorabilia with us. And Casey Richards from the CDGA. Barry, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure with you as well. Our thanks to Adam Studzinski for uh, producing this show and uh, doing a great job. As always, thanks to you for listening. We really appreciate it every Saturday morning here from 6 to 8 on The Score. Stick around, though, here on 670. Coming up next, Early Odds with our buddy Joe Ostrowski, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.